Hey guys, you're listening to the Couplings Fire Podcast. Here's a couple of things you might need to know or maybe you just forgot. I'm Chris. And I'm Taylor. We are married. And we're both firefighters. Join us as we talk anything and everything fire related. We don't claim to be experts. We're just two people who love to talk fire. And everything we say are our own opinions. Our goal is to inspire anyone listening to take the steps to better their department, however they can. Let's get on the episode. There. Oh, there it is. I was like, it's not working. We broke it. We broke it. <laughs> anyway. Um, so tonight we have something different for you guys. Yes, hi. Hi. This one's going to enter quick. <laughs> it's going to enter very quick. You won't have to wait till like five or ten minutes in for this one. Yeah, because this one is, it's different. We're going to do kind of a hodgepodge conversation thought-provoking, possibly, episode stuff. of stuff. <laughs> We're <laughs> so, going to see where it goes. So basically, we don't want to be tied to one subject tonight. We were, we were trying and trying, and we have like a list of episodes we could do, right? And we're like, we don't feel like doing these tonight, right? But like, we just want to have a conversation and not be tied to one thing to talk about. So we're going to see where this goes. So you guys get to travel along with us. Yes. So I, th- I, I was the one that kind of came up with this episode. So context for you guys. Taylor is constantly on Clubhouse, as I'm sure has probably been mentioned on here before. Of course. But, Are you kidding? It's like almost every episode. <laughs> um, it's about as, wor- as bad as Les Luger. Um, anyway, uh, so you're on Clubhouse all the time having all these random conversations. And I'm listening in half the time. And like their conversations literally just, they can either go on one subject forever or they can just jump to kind of wherever they go. Yeah. You know, you take one idea and then something comes up in the middle of that idea. And you may not even finish that idea and you're on to the next one. Oh, that's know? exactly how it happens. And it's hilarious. It's super funny. And it's, especially the, the group t- that you're in and involved with, you know, it's definitely like the kitchen table. It is. You know, at the firehouse for sure. I love so. my group in Clubhouse. It you is gotta, so you nice. Really group. I should really get in there. I really should. But time. <laughs> time and energy. And unlike you, you can listen to it at work and your boss doesn't mind. <laughs> <laughs> My, I can't exactly do that because I'm interacting with employees and customers and all that stuff all day. And I can hardly listen to podcasts someday. Anyway, so that's where this whole idea came from. It's like we're really not feeling the specific subjects tonight. So let's just let's just see where we go. So, how about we start with, we talked in the last episode, the very beginning, of that, I, how I took my FEMA class, right? The ICS right. 100, yep. finally. Finally. You also took a class the same night I did. Yes. And, because you're trying to get your uh, continuing education hours? Yeah, how, I'm, I got to renew my EMT license at the end of the year, so I'm just... Getting my continuing ed credits because I have to have so many of those in each category now. And yeah, because they changed that. Is, yeah, it, they changed they, all is that. Is that changed for like the entire U.S. or is it changed just for Nebraska? I think that changed for the entire U.S. because the National Registry, the people that follow the National Registry have to do it in categories too. Okay. So so, so it I never think, had to be done in categories before. Now it does. Right. So like you have a ton in one category, but like none in another. And you have a cap of how many you can have in each category or how many count towards right, yeah. it <laughs> in to each have, category. You have to have 20 continuing ed- education credits at least, but there has to be so many in each category. Mm-hmm. So you can have more than that. It's but, super confusing. We've done so much research on this, trying to make sure we're doing it right. I don't know if it's so much confusing. It's just making sure you're getting the classes in the right categories is what's confusing me. Yeah. So I think they probably could have done a little better job explaining that when they came out with this, but I don't know. And maybe they will because this is the first year they did that, right, then? Right, So yeah. So maybe it's just they needed to get it out there and maybe they're going to explain it better in the future. Who knows? Or maybe the people that are supposed to be explaining it either don't understand it yet or <laughs> they're not explaining it. I don't know. Anyway. Anyway. So, yes, I, I did take those 
another continuing ed class the other night, which was over infectious diseases. Uh, was, COVID? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And Did they mention COVID at all in it? Or yeah, not really? Actually, oh. we talked a decent, well, not a decent amount, but we, we talked on COVID and stuff like that. Look, that's um, the most relevant thing to, like, everybody right, right now. Yeah. Um, my problem with the class was, I, I'm just an EMT, basic. We're very small town. Um, our transport times are little to nothing because of how small our time is and the hospitals in town. So, as far as, like, extra things that EMTs get to do, um, I know there's plenty of EMTs out there that can do IVs and all sorts of stuff that they can get certified in. Here, where I'm at, we're not certified in all that. We have advanced airways, like the King Tube. It's about as advanced as we get. Um, but anyway, going back to the topic here. This class was taught... Well, I should say really quick, you're not... You don't do those and you don't take those classes you're not certified for because the medical director doesn't want you to be. Right, yeah. Just explain that for people who don't know. Yeah, so since our transport times are so short and we get to hospital so quickly, our medical director doesn't feel that we need to have all those extra certifications and stuff like that for, like, IVs and such. Yeah, so it's not like they're slacking or anything or not, you know, it's not their yeah, fault. Just, like we, I, we have no need for it. Our, me, our medical director doesn't feel we need it either, so. Yeah, I just want to make sure that, like, People yeah. <laughs> listening understand because there's probably plenty of even EMTs out there who are listening to this who are like, what? Right. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, why don't you do that? Yeah, our transport times on average are probably like two, three minutes. Mm -hmm. So um, it It's probably... quicker just to get them there than to take the time fumbling around right. to do this stuff. Exactly. And I so, say fumbling around, but you don't want to be. Anyways. Yeah. So this class was taught by... Um, a gentleman who, who, he was a paramedic, or is a paramedic, but he also worked in a hospital setting, and he taught this class from very much a hospital setting. And I feel dumb saying this, but a lot of it was over my head. Like, the, the a lot of the terminology and, and things like that were just so far over my head, it's really hard to get things from the class. Mm -hmm. But it was also... I hate saying irrelevant, but it was irrelevant. A lot of the information was irrelevant to me because I'm treating people in a pre-hospital situation, pre-hospital care, mm -hmm. where a lot of what he was talking about is this is how we treat them in the hospital. It wasn't so much based on, like, okay, you know, yeah, maybe signs and symptoms. Uh, that's great to know, but there's what do we, how do we treat them, how do we help them till we get to them to the hospital you know a lot of that information in my opinion was missing mm -hmm. and so it was just a really hard class and it was an hour and a half because it took me the same amount of time as to take you to ICS <laughs> class but it was a really hard class to listen through and pick up information but I guess kind of what I want to stress about it is like if Taylor if you ever get into this situation where you're going through a class like that there's a lot of tidbits and things like that that you can still pick up on that, you know, may not be specifically relatable to, you know, whatever your specific situation is. But, I mean, you can still, if nothing else, for, for general life, like, you know, what, in this case, infectious diseases, you know, um, some of the different terminologies like, um, or diseases like COVID, you know, for the longest time it was believe that it you know surfaces and clothes and stuff like that if it was spread onto there it could um infect you you know well that's pretty much been debunked now you know because we were all wearing gowns and all that kind of stuff you know and mm -hmm. now they're pretty much like yeah you don't need those it's not going to survive on a surface that long it can but pretty much not a concern it's mainly you know going through droplets like when you cough or sneeze or something like that and it has to come within like an open orifice or your entry point has to be pretty pretty vulnerable for it to get into your system so uh you can always pick up on things like that and just try to learn as much as you can from it so uh 
what was the what is this the big thing that I learned? Uh, and this seems very basic, and I should have known it. Sepsis. I really didn't have a good idea of what sepsis was. I heard the word. Yeah, so like when you get a virus um, or bacteria or something like that, and it's infecting your body, sepsis is the stage of that where it's actually damaging your organs. Like if it gets to the point where it's damaging your organs and your vitals are starting to change because of this. Mm, okay. Like that's sepsis. Sepsis. And sepsis. Sep- sepsis. Sepsis shock <laughs> is even further along than just that. You Can know? you just call it SS? Sure. <laughs> so, anyway, so I did pick up on things like this and just more knowledge in general, but how much of it was actually applicable to a pre-hospital setting, eh, yeah, yeah. it's hard. But Well, I can't say I'm necessarily taking a class that didn't apply to me at all, but I've taken classes that are definitely above my, like, way over my head. Right, yeah. And, and heck, one of the first classes I ever took at an outside uh, conference, it was just a one-day conference, and I actually went with you to the same class, Chris. Um, I It was way over my head. So many notes. So many notes. And I didn't understand 99% of it. And I was just trying to get, get the basics. And I, I caught up on... A, a bunch of de- decent things that worked for me, you know, that I was able to learn. The biggest thing I learned from that class and what I've taken with me to this day is that obviously big fire needs big water, right? But if you are hitting a, a source, uh, a heat source, right, or whatever, for 10 seconds and you let off and it comes right back, then you are not using enough water, <laughs> you know? You sh- if you or hit the something, application is wrong. Or, yeah, something like that, you know. But yeah, yeah, basically, basically the, the very, you're either not hitting it or you're not or you're not using enough water. Exactly. You know, so that was the biggest thing that stuck with me. And it helped me, actually, in a fire, what, a year later, which I know is a long time later. But it was, like, the next big fire I had. Whereas I remembered that one big thing I learned, you yeah. know. If you hit it for 10 seconds and you stop... And it goes right back to where it was. You're either not using enough water or you're not hitting it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? And so, like you said, yeah, there's always something you can take away from classes that are either over your head or don't apply to you. Right, yeah. And it's just, it kind of stinks because, you know, the continuing edge, especially in the EMS world, it's really supposed to benefit you and uh, expand your knowledge and stuff like that. But it's just, it's so hard when some of those classes are over your head. I'm sure some of you guys out there, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. But, mm-hmm. um, if you're an EMT and you happen to get into a paramedic class or something like that, I'm sure probably it's the same way, but there's always something you can take from it and still try to continue learning from it. So, mm-hmm. um, anyway, yeah, that was, that was kind of the frustrating thing the other night. It was just like, I got done with this class. I'm like, Holy cow, did I actually learn anything from this? And it took me a little while to realize, okay, I did pick up some stuff on this. You know, I did learn a few things, you know, and um, not a whole lot of treatment or, like, pre-hospital care-wise, but just at least an idea of what's going on and things like that, so. Maybe that was the idea of the class, though. Maybe you weren't supposed to learn stuff pre-wise, but maybe it was to better... I mean, I really don't know. I didn't take the class, but maybe it was to actually better your understanding of the whole thing in general. Yeah. I don't know. And see, I guess I went into the class with the idea of like, okay, infectious infectious diseases, um, you know, how how do they spread, you know, stuff like that, you know, mm-hmm. like what precautions do we need to take to keep it from spreading or... You could also look like at that. it from the, from the guy's perspective who was teaching it, thinking that was maybe too basic to who he was teaching it to. And this is actually a good segue into maybe another conversation of people not putting things down to enough basics for them thinking things are common knowledge to people that should be known. Right. Um, actually, I think we were going to do a podcast episode on it. So, we, so we're not supposed to talk about it no, yet? No, let's roll with it. I don't, that's <laughs> cool with me. So. I forgot that we were supposed to do a podcast episode yeah, with it. But. I think I put that, I think I texted you one time, but um, I forgot to write it down. So. Your toes are <laughs> freezing. <laughs> Holy crap. It's cold down here. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. It's just, I wasn't prepared for it. Go ahead. Put it back. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, yeah, that, that's a great segue um, down the next rabbit hole. 
um, is, yeah, from the guy teaching my class, what I needed to learn was probably really basic to him. Mm -hmm. And so he probably taught it at a level that he thought should be the basics or what basic people would be able to build on and learn with. When in all reality, um, and it was a big class, so there's probably people out there that got a lot from it. But me personally, it was over basic for me. Yeah. Yeah, or it was, it wasn't basic enough for me. I think sometimes when we learn, not even becoming experts in something, but when we learn enough about something, we forget how basic we needed it in the beginning, right? Because well, and everyone's basic is going to be different. Too. That's true. Um, I remember, so we went, we went shooting with a friend this week, earlier this week. I don't know, do you just call it just rain shooting or I don't know, like rain shooting. Just I don't know. Shooting. Thank you. I don't know. I'm, Talking. I'm new to guns. Okay. So, so we went rain shooting and I was asking the guy, you know, kind of like what to do. And he's just like, well, you just shoot. And I'm like, so I just pull this. He's like, no, you're gonna have to like do this couple things and then you're good and I'm like okay and I'm like just thinking is there anything else I should know like but he's not saying anything and I don't want to ask anything and I'm like I literally have no idea how guns work I mean I kind of do but you know I I really don't know <laughs> so I'm just like so, laying there so let me stop you here real quick why didn't you want to ask any more questions because he had already made it seem like it was I should have known everything already that he said yeah. That it was already way too easy. And it's just like, it's common sense and common knowledge that, duh. It, it kind of made me feel dumb. <laughs> it, it very much made me feel dumb. And that's one thing we really need to watch out for when we train new people, especially, you know, obviously the volunteer side, what we're talking about here. When you're teaching people that have never been around this stuff ever, you got to remember not to belittle them. I never started a chainsaw or ran a chainsaw before I got on the department. Yeah. I never swung an axe before I was on the department. I remember one, one house fire we did, and I was inside, and they had an axe in there. And they were cutting a hole for some reason. I don't know what they were doing. Okay, right? And one of the guys left it. Anyway, so he drops, you know, puts on the axe or whatever, and I ask if I can swing some, you know, because I... I've never swung an axe before in my life. And he looks at me, he's like, yeah, why not? We're burning this dang thing, right? And so I take a couple of swings and he looks at me and he's just like, okay, try this. <laughs> <laughs> and I do a few more. He's like, good, keep doing it. And then he left to another room and I did a few more swings and it was fun. And then I took the axe with me and we burned the house, right? Like, <laughs> but... I don't know. Like such an arson. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. Like even like to him it was weird that I had never swung an axe before. But he was yeah. okay with it. And he's like, yeah. Okay, try this, you know, like do this better. But you know, there are people that come on to the departments and I know I'm not the only one. It's not just the girls, okay? It's there are plenty of people coming up in age who are who are getting onto these departments who have never started a chainsaw or held an axe before or even driven a bigger vehicle, you know, like a truck or something like that. They don't know the basics of mechanics. They don't they don't know some of these things. Right, yeah. And it's even if they're from farm or farming communities, they still may not know this if they haven't necessarily grown up on the farm doing these things. Right. Well that's a big thing I was gonna kinda bring up and I hate I always hate the stereotype people, but your people in the rural communities that are around fire or farming and stuff like that, like typically they're gonna have a little more experience with that. Like, but not nowadays. Nowadays, not, it's not even getting nowadays, changed too. But I mean, like, even around your bigger cities where you still have the volunteer departments, you just you just can't count on people knowing how to run a chainsaw. Mm -hmm. You can't count on people, you know, knowing how to swing axes and stuff like that. Because I mean, unless they have a reason to. With maybe burning firewood. And a maybe. Maybe. Um, you just, you can't assume that they But how that. many people go and just get twigs and leaves? And how many people just, maybe, honestly, how many people go buy their logs from the store? Because plenty yeah. of people do that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
or having people buy their firewood from somebody else who's already cut down a tree. I mean, it happens everywhere. And there are just, yeah, there's tons of people. I've heard it from several places, and I can't remember exactly where, that they've had people, you know, who are coming out of these communities. Was it Tim? Or was it somebody else? I don't remember who, who said this. Um, where they've seen less and less people who are accustomed to chainsaws, who are accustomed to hand tools, who are accustomed to doing the hard labor type of work. You know, like the stuff you typically see on farms just as the years go by. I think Tim had something to do with that because he was saying how a lot of the farmers are pushing their kids off to go to college and stuff like that to have a better life. You know, don't Mm -hmm. come back to the farm because it's a hard life, you know. So a lot of people are almost pushing their kids into the city because it's a better life. Yeah. And so if he didn't say something about that specific statement of, like, the people not having those skills or whatever, I heard it from somewhere else. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure where I heard it from, and I'm not going to go back and... I will go back and listen to the episode because I'm curious, but I'm not going to go listen to it right now while we're talking. Right. So, you know. But, yeah, I think kind of going back to the beginning of the rabbit hole here, like, you got to be careful not to belittle people, um, you know, not to make them feel stupid about what they don't know. And you have to remember what the basics for you are isn't the basics for everyone because everyone's at a different level. Mm-hmm. Um, what I know as basics as a firefighter is very much different from you. Like, I could explain something on a very basic level, and that still might be over your head. No offense, honey. <laughs> but, um, and I have to remember that, that you don't have all the experiences that I have. You don't, your brain doesn't work the same way mine does. Yeah, that's a big part of I, it. You know, I'm a mechanical person. I go out and work on engines every day, you know. My brain works that way. Your brain doesn't. So something is very simple to me, like starting a chainsaw. Oh, you just put it on choke and pull the rope till it pops. Put it on run and you go. That's probably not basic enough for you. Well, it's kind of like. And it, it's not a bad thing. It's just. The more basic step is to go and actually show you, okay, this is where choke is, this is where start is, this is, you know, this is what you need to do. That's the way more basic version of it, but that's what you need. Yeah. And I have to remember that, and I can't make you feel stupid for not knowing that. Well, if you think about it that way... Because then you create training scars. Well, that yeah, they definitely do create training scars. It's and the it, hesit- They're real. And the, hesit- <laughs> and the hesitancy for people to ask you questions. Yes. In which you always want people to ask you questions and constantly be learning. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> I keep so, interrupting you. So with the not making people feel dumb and stuff like that, like they don't know anything, these people, even though they may not understand some of these things or never done these things, and it's, you, know, you have to go back to the basics with them, you got to realize that they know more than you about some other areas, too. And so, yeah. basically, you're going to treat them how you want to be treated when eventually you're going to learn what they know. You know, like with Chris. I know <laughs> a lot of the computer stuff, a lot of the social media stuff, a lot of the that stuff is my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. I don't look at you like you're dumb, you know. Well, I feel like you do some days, but... <laughs> I think it's more because I'm your husband. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean. So, like, you know, like, there, there's there's things they can teach you, too. It's just not what you think is, quote-unquote, essential. But it may be. Yeah. Um, another prime example for me is technology. I can work on a computer. I can do basic stuff on a computer. But basic to me is way different than your basic. Yeah. Because you can fly through a computer program and go, oh, yeah, all you got to do is this. And I'm just like, I don't even know where the start button's at. <laughs> you know? Like, it's just my little brother who's a computer programmer. He just flies through them. And when I ask him questions, he gives me that dumb look face, you know? Like, yeah. what do you mean you don't know what that is, you know? Oh, and so I was watching a friend uh, who's starting to do drum, line, drum lessons online, right? Mm-hmm. And great idea, Right. Um, but he put out one of his videos and he put out, it was like a basic video, whatever, for people who are just trying to learn. And I'm watching this thing and I'm like, dude, this is not basic. I mean, it's basic to him. It's like one of the first actual, um, rhythms and, um, it's one of the first exercises he ever learned for, for percussion, right? And it was for me too, don't get me wrong, but... It's definitely not, like, super basic, especially with the speed he was going at and the way he was explaining it. 
right? And I'm looking at that, I'm like, it's it's great. And I know he teaches people, so he does have kind of a, a, a guide from it. But at the same time, to me, that's not basic enough for somebody who doesn't know. And maybe the students he has are a little bit, maybe not super basic, but maybe they learn a certain way. That's good for them. But I feel like if somebody were to start like I did in percussion, they wouldn't be able to do it right away right, with this yeah. thing, you know? So it's like, it's just looking at that too, and it's like, it seems super basic to him, but it may not be to other people. Yeah. So, you can so, take it from so many different places, so. Oh, yeah, and it happens all over the board, not just in the fire service, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so if someone's, a, you know, if someone's coming to you with questions and... It just reminds me of, like, seventh, was it sixth grade or seventh grade typing lessons, the, the typing class in school, where, like... G, G H G A A B A, you know, like the, like, do you remember that? Where yeah. he, he would walk around the room and he'd just like have, he'd say stuff and like you'd have to type it. And so like, you know, it's so, like your hands were doing those movements or whatever, but it was like super simple and like you could tell he was bored with it too. But he knew he had to go down to that level for people, for people, for kids to get used to like J, J K J. You know, stuff like that. Like, like the, the basics of typing and the basic movements. Exactly. He had to go down that far. And like I said, you could tell. He was like, ugh. And what, you start typing in like fourth or fifth grade or something like that? Yeah, I started in... When did I start? I, th I think I started in like third or fourth grade. Yeah, because I can't remember the names of the games that we used to play. I played a Mario Kart one. I played... They had an Oregon Trail one. They had... Did I say Mario Kart? I meant just Mario. <laughs> we didn't get that advanced. It was a Mario Kart. We had Mario. That was like the biggest one I remember growing up was Mario. Um, Carmen San Diego. There was a Casper one. I remember playing the Casper one. There was an Arthur one. Anyway. Carmen San Diego was like one of the best ones too, though. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> no, there's there a few of them out there. There was one with the bug on the windshield. Yeah, I played that one. <laughs> Anyways, so yes. the, the Mario one was fun because you had to get Mario from, like, all the way at the very beginning of the level to, like, all the way at the end. And then you had to do, like, several paragraphs of typing, and you had to do it perfectly and quickly. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> and if you didn't get it right, he would either fall into the water or something, right? Like, it was, yeah. it was cool. Anyways, <laughs> so, like, but, you know, that's taking it back to the very basics. It's very boring from him for him. But he knew that all those kids knew the basics no matter what level they were at. Because you're teaching to a class of, what, 30 kids? Yeah. So you don't know where everyone's at. So you got to teach to the lowest level, which sucks. But then you yeah. really know that everybody knows it no matter what. So relating us back now um, to a few different things. <laughs> um, if you are a department out there that takes on, like, a rookie class every year or every other year, however you decide to do that, Make sure you go down to the very, very basics, if nothing else, to ensure they have a good foundation, but also to not create training scars and people are scared to ask questions because they feel like they should know more than what they do, stuff like that. Because so, you'll weed those people out really fast if you make them feel bad for not knowing something. They're yeah. not going to stick around for very long yeah. if you make them feel stupid. Do you have more to go on with that? or? Um, just the training scars. Um just be careful not to create those training tra tra <laughs> words. Be careful not to create create training <laughs> scars. I'll get it. Um, so I know you have training scars. Um, I can't think of any specifically that I have, but I know I have them. And it's usually my training scars came from I did something and it was like bad. Something bad happened from it, you know. Like, so now, anytime I go to do that, like, it really makes me hesitant, but I really have to think through it before I do that. I can't remember what it was, and as soon as the next time I have to do it, I'm gonna, it's going to pop right in there, you know, and I'm going to have that hesitancy to do it, but it'd help if we could think of specifics right now, but anyway, make sure that you're not belittling people, because you want them to ask questions, and I've already gone through this. Belittling? Belittling. Belittling. <laughs> People because you want them to feel free and open to ask questions because you want them to learn. You want them to learn the right thing. Yeah. 
Um, and don't create those training scars because then you're going to have people that are very hesitant to do things, obviously. So, um, yeah. <laughs> and basics. Go back to the basics. Go back to the basics. And if you are above people's knowledge and either someone says, hey, we need to back up or you recognize that you're kind of getting a glazed over look when you're teaching them, dumb it down even more. And dumb it down is a strong way of saying that, but go down even further to even a basic level. Even if it's painful for you as a teacher, go down there, start from the ground up. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. Oh, However long yeah, ago, when yeah. I asked if you had anything else on this one. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the thing I was going to say was when, if you take things down to a basic level, people are, I'm sure people are going to be worried, slash maybe some of their people in the their recruit class or whatever they do, right? maybe think it's too basic for them and make it bored. What's going to happen with those people, right? They don't want to lose their good people. Well, you're just going to have to think on your feet and either give them extra things to do or I don't know. Like, that's something you have to be aware of too, though. When you're putting things down to these basic levels, you're going to have to be aware of the people who are above those levels who are going to get bored with it. Yeah. And either well, they if just... Go, if you go back to the chainsaw example, especially if you have multiple chainsaws that you're, like, training people on, mm -hmm. if you know someone or they say, yeah, I know how to do that, maybe you can take one of those chainsaws and flood it out and tell them, hey, now start it. Give them a challenge. Yeah. See if they know that. So, so if our audio changed in the middle of this, guys... We're testing some things out. <laughs> we, we moved our microphone around, our computer around, so maybe you can hear me a little better, so... We realize Chris talks quiet and we love him, so we're not going to get rid of him just yet. We'll try to keep working with him. <laughs> See how this partnership goes. That's we may right. have to cut it off someday. Who knows? <laughs> so if one day he just doesn't exist, you know, I just couldn't handle the fact that he talked so quietly. I do. I don't know why. That's one of those weird, weird things about me. I just, I don't know. I hate people that yell all the time and I think that kind of, maybe that's one of my training scars. So do I yell? No, you don't. You talk normal. It's just when I talk loud, I feel like I'm yelling. And yelling escalates things, and I'm, my brain, my personal, I don't want to say character, but like just my personal traits, I try to de-escalate everything. I kind of hate that confrontation, that argument, and if I can talk calmly and quietly to someone, it's going to calm them down. Okay, so next rabbit hole. So, but talking loudly and talking angrily are very two very different things. Or they can be, um, to me. Because when you're on a fire ground, there's so many loud noises and things. You have to talk loudly and sometimes yell. But yelling doesn't mean you're angry. Right, so, right, absolutely. But if you come into contact with someone who's already upset, angry, and mad, and you start yelling at them, whether it's because you're trying to get over other noise or if you're just trying to get to them, they're going to escalate even more. Even if they're, like, on the scene and stuff and, like... There's a possibility because if their brain takes that as you personally yelling at them, they're not going to calm down. Huh. I don't know. Like, So if you're in a loud scene, I'd try to get on the other side of a truck or someplace a little bit quieter so you don't have to yell at them. But you can get to them, especially if you're talking a calmer voice. Like It's going to naturally calm people down. It's going to de-escalate things so much quicker. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what my brain does, and I think that's why I talk quiet, is because I want people to listen to me and not take me as a quote-unquote threat. Do you remember that super quiet truck at fire school? That ladder truck that you could, like, barely hear running? Yeah. That would be awesome. Could you imagine if all trucks were like that on the scene? That'd be crazy. Oh, my goodness. You would actually be able to talk to people. <laughs> trucks are getting so quiet anymore, it's ridiculous. Anyway, um... Yeah, that's just my mentality. That's I think that's why I talk quiet. It's just because like I don't want people to perceive me as a threat. And it's gone from a normal voice to a quieter voice to a quieter voice. Just to, I think it's a subconscious brain thing that just kind of happens. Like you talk so quiet just even around the house. I'm like, what did you say? Well, and I've gotten so used to talking quiet that when I actually talk at a normal level, I feel like I'm just almost yelling you know mm -hmm. like it's 
And if I'd talk at a normal level for so long, I'm sure it'd come back to where I would talk at a normal level again. <laughs> but like I've talked so quietly for so long that I feel like even right now, I feel like I'm not yelling, but I'm, I feel like I'm raising my voice, <laughs> you know? So anyway, so if you guys ever need to de-escalate somebody or calm someone <laughs> down, a quieter, calm, less threatening voice will definitely calm people down. <laughs> They're not going to take you as a as near a threat as someone coming up yelling at them. <laughs> so, anyway. Anyway. Uh, let's see here. We've been going very smoothly into, like, different conversations. And now, right, like... they've actually kind of actually translated. But, <laughs> um, I think the other thing that I kind of had as a backup here in case we ran into this is the other day you were on Clubhouse, I was listening in, one of the, one of your buddies on there was talking about uh, estimating distances for host stretches. Yeah, so we were getting ready to record our podcast episode with Shane, and things were running a little bit late, so we jumped in on Clubhouse since we were talking. Well, one of the guys in there was, yeah, he was talking about uh, figuring out distances, and I can't remember exactly what he, do you remember exactly why he wanted it? Well, he just, um, apparently where he's at, like, there's a bunch of, like, uh, apartment complexes that are, like, set off of the street quite a ways, but they're kind of, like, their own block and, like, depending on what building you need to go to and stuff like that and, mm -hmm. like, what floor. He was trying to come up with a easy solution to... Guesstimate distances, basically? Guesstimate distances so you, you weren't short. Yeah. You know? And that he was, was he was thing. trying to go, like, well, maybe a football field or whatever, but, like, sometimes that's way too long and stuff like that, right? Well, even me, I'm just like, well, why not just use, like, a visual of a length of hose? You know, you know how long a hose length is. That's definitely short on a football field. It's easier to, in my brain, to see how long that goes. But, I mean, the the solution that I came up with and initially gave to him was taking a rangefinder out just kind of whenever and just practicing it and seeing how far things away, how far away things are, right? Yeah. And okay. then I think, Chris, then you came up with a kind of different answer to uh, it it's basically the same thing like because my thought was like if you just practice it over and over you're gonna get better at it right by kind of a, just being able to see like how far away things are and just kind of guess you're gonna get better at it and then you keep checking it so right and that's that's where i was coming from you said it before i could put all my thoughts together but like it's just like bow hunting. If you bow hunt, you get pretty good at estimating distances, and it's because you have a rangefinder with you, and you're constantly, uh, you know, that looks like 20 yards, and you range it. Okay, it's actually 18. Well, the more you do that, the more you get a good grasp of what 20 yards is, 25 yards, 30 yards, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing. It's, it's a very long-term project, but overall it's going to serve you in almost every aspect of pulling a hose. Yeah, and I think he... What they, I don't know if he came with the estimation or somebody else did about 50 foot per floor of an apartment complex. And I'm assuming that's just to like get through the stairwells and if there's any other little obstacles or something in the way, right? Right. And then you have to have 50 working feet. Yeah. So you're taking 100 foot, well, 50 foot of floor plus. What, however many stairs, how many levels you have. So if you have three levels plus. You need 50 working feet. That's already 200 feet just for the apartment complex, not counting what you need from the truck to the complex. Right, yeah. So, and he's pulling a skid load, not a cross load. Yeah. So. That, was, uh, that was interesting, too, because I wasn't thinking about necessarily skid load. But, uh, yeah. but why would... I but guess yeah, I don't... Like, we, we've never... We, we had... Chris, you and I had never ran the skid load, like, almost ever, right? It didn't ever come off of the trucks we knew. And I know departments use them. But what's the point of using those, especially the ones with the Ys or the gated Ys? You know, why wouldn't you rather use, like, a sole pre-connect that's not too gated? Because isn't there benefits to having two separate lines versus a Y, or? Well, there... Did I ask too many questions? Well, kind of, but <laughs> we'll, we'll start here. Um, so, your what we call a skid load, um, or just... Um, a non-cross lay, we'll say. Um, like, on the trucks that we do, mm -hmm. it was a two and a half. And I think there was three, 200 foot of two and a half. And it was a Y. And it reduced down to inch and a half lines. Okay. So, it allowed you to 
get to the fire and have multiple lines. You're still relying on one truck, but you could feed two lines off of one hose. So for your bigger setbacks, like 200 foot setback, well, you could have 150 foot of two and a half out there and still have two lines off of it. Mm-hmm. And it just takes less work to get everything out there, you know? Yeah. Um, that's the big advantage of that. Um, now, technically, I think you should have a backup pumper there. I think I'm not. Don't quote me on that because I don't know that for a fact. But well, yeah, um, because you're just so. That's basically the equivalent of one cross lane. Right. Yeah. I mean, even though you have two lines out there, that's equivalent of one cross lane. Something could go wrong. You never. Know. Yeah, if something goes wrong with the truck. You should have a backup there. Yeah. But, um. So now you get instead of going off like a pre-connect. And you can have a load like that that's pre-connected, depending on how your trucks are spec'd. But if you take, like, a 300-foot cross layoff, 300 foot's all you got, and you have to break in and add more. Mm-hmm. Where, like, a hose pull, like, something like what he was talking about, like a skid load, well, if you have 200-foot marked on that skid load, you could pull 200-foot, break it, connect it to the truck. And you're ready to go. Well, yeah, but if you end up needing more, you're either going to have to pull more off and break it you know, and connect it and, like, whatever. And that was a big issue. He didn't want to undershoot it. So he yeah. wanted to know how to judge that distance or an easy way to judge that distance so that he never undershot it. Yeah. And that was another thought, too. It's, like, well, you could just then get, if you have, like, either, like, what you'd call either, like, a high-risk pack or, like, some other pack like that of that same hose, whatever you're using, whether it's instant and a half or two and a half on your shoulder, then at least you have that extra. You drop it at your door, wherever you're going. So even if you undershoot it... You hope you don't, but even if you undershoot it, you have that extra by the door that you can quickly add instead of going all the way back to the truck and having balled. <laughs> you'd still have to, like, necessarily... You might have to pull it up, like, up the stairwells and stuff again, you know, but you're not pulling it back the whole way from the truck, at least. Yeah. You know, so that was another thought, was carrying extra with you. And if you don't have to use it, yeah, you have to carry it back, and that sucks, but, you know. That's part of the gig. Um... So, I want to back up here to what you said about the fire hose. Okay. Using that fire hose to estimate your distances. Yeah. If you roll out a 50-foot section hose every day for a month, so you've done that 30 times, you get a pretty good idea of how far that 50-foot's going to get you. Especially right? if you do it different directions. Right. Not just to not the... Ju- not just down the same sidewalk all the time. Yeah. You know, do it uh, down the driveway, do it, you know, down the street, do it from this tree, you know. You get a pretty pretty good feel of, okay, that 50 foot's going to get me to that tree or that rock or whatever, you Mm -hmm. know. You get a pretty good idea of that. So, okay, that's going to get me that far. So, you start doubling it, you know. Pretty soon, you can figure out what 150 foot's going to get you pretty close. Mm -hmm. You know, again, it's it's the same thing as taking a rangefinder and just going, that looks, you know. That looks like 35 foot and you range it and it's 36. Well, you're pretty close, you know? Yeah. Um, it's the same concept and it's easy. It just takes time to develop. Mm-hmm. There so, was, there, who was it? You were telling me, Chris, of a, was it a fire company and they taught all the rookies? So they had to get them up to snuff? Yes, that was me. That was you. Um, had one more thing that I was going to add to that before you got to that. Oh, okay. Go ahead. I have a hard time remembering what it was, though. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. There was... And I just listened to a podcast. Um, it was Fit to Fight Fire. Lead Yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of the first episodes out there. They had a, a FDNY... Uh, firefighter on there. Retired Lead yourself was the name of the episode. No, fit to fight fire or that. How do they do it? It's fit to fight. It's lead yourself. Brought to you by fit your. Oh, fit so the actual fire. podcast is called Lead Yourself. Yes. Oh, okay. But I think to find them, you have to search fit to fight fire. Okay. Because all their podcasts are called Lead Yourself. What? Really? Yeah. yeah. Look them up. Are you sure? Because I think one of mine is just fit to fight fire. Anyway, anyway, one of the very first episodes they put out, they have a retired FDNY firefighter on there. His name's Kevin Shea. Oh, you're right. This is, it is, 
It's kind of weird how they have it set up. It, but it's, it looks just literally like if you look up the picture of it, it just says Fit to Fight Fire podcast. Yeah. So Fit to Fight Fire is their program or company. I'm not quite 100% sure on that. And then Lead Yourself is the podcast. Yes. And uh, the one you're talking about, though, the episode is episode two. Yes. And so getting on to it here. Kevin Shea is who they had on. He's a retired uh, FDNY firefighter. And he goes on there, and, and of course, it's a great interview. I love listening to the guy. Um, but he was telling a story on there um, about um, a company that got, like, eight rookies at once. It was, like, a really green company. And they were talking about pulling hose and how basically they were trying to learn how to estimate distances so they never pulled short. Well, they're the captain or lieutenant on there. I don't quite remember. Um, basically, just at every false alarm, they pulled hose. And yeah, the guys kind of, you know, eh, we don't want to do this, but they did it, you know. And over the course of a year, they were the most efficient and they never, as far as he remembered, they never pulled anything short. But they were the most efficient at pulling the hose. They were the quickest at it. You know, they did all this stuff and they never pulled short. And it was just because every false alarm they went to, they went ahead and pulled hose anyway. Mm-hmm. And all the other companies, of course, you know, they didn't give them a hard time about it or anything, but they weren't out there pulling hose. And then that hard work showed through where, you know, they're the best at it in the city now and they weren't pulling short and they accomplished their goal just by every false alarm. We're pulling hose. It's, so. it's not hard. No, it, it sucks. I want to put it back on the truck, you know, but, but it's, it's part of the job. Work. Yeah. It's part of the job, you know, and that was how they overcame it. You know, they were trying to get all these new guys up to speed and that was the way they battled it. And for, that says a lot how they were over the course of the year, they became the most efficient in the city. And you went from guys that know nothing to guys that never pull short, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's the same thing that you could take to Patrick's situation, trying to figure out, you know, estimate that distance, well, go out and pull hose. Yeah. Every time you're on shift, you know, go find uh, a building or wherever that you can and pull hose. I don't know. My 300 foot, that ended here, you know? Oh, okay. You just keep doing it, and eventually over time, your brain starts figuring this stuff out, and you don't have to worry about an easy solution for it because your brain's doing it for you over that time. So, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> You got anything else you want to throw on here? We, we went down a few rabbit holes. I don't have anything, I think. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the other thing I got is um, just the whole physical activeness. And we talked to Shane about it, so I really don't know that we need to go down it. But just how being physical, exercising helps your... Your mental attitude, you know. <laughs> every time, I just I can't help it. It's legally blonde in my head every single time. Oh, I don't. I can't even say how it goes. <laughs> uh, Exercising you, gives you endorphins. Endorphins make right. you happy. Happy people don't kill their husbands. That's right. <laughs> yeah, and it is funny, but it's totally true because. Uh, just yesterday, yesterday morning at work, just kind of sucked. I didn't want to be there and just kind of blah, you know? And I remember we were sitting on the couch at lunch and I got on the floor and started doing push-ups. <laughs> they were like, okay, whatever, you know? And about 10 minutes after that, I felt a lot better, you know? It's just like, okay, I can go to work now, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's just, it's funny how that affects your brain and, and the, the, Everything your body does when you start exercising and the endorphins and stuff like that. So, yeah. um, I'm sure many of you guys probably already exercise, but uh, if you don't, it is fantastic for your, obviously for your physical health, but mental health is awesome. So, well, I think some people, if they don't exercise, are intimidated or don't know different ways to exercise, and that's not that bad. <laughs> right. You know, and I have to say first, I don't think it matters how you exercise. I think you do you, you make yourself happy, and you exercise the way you want to. 
if that's going to get you to do it, do whatever you have to. If it's just walking, do that. If it's being like me and dancing to Refit Revolution dances on YouTube, look it up, by the way, <laughs> do that. If it's doing sit-ups and push-ups, do that. If it's running or maybe you're more into weights or I, I, I don't know. I don't think it really matters what you start doing. You know, once you get into the, to the um, routine of exercising, you probably, if you are wanting to improve things, you're probably going to want to get on certain tracks of different types yeah. of exercising, right? But And there's tons of stuff out there on the internet for as far as like exercising programs or just like week schedules or whatever, yeah. you know? But if nothing else, just start doing something. It doesn't matter if you're only able to walk for five minutes. Go walk for five minutes. Yeah. Um, and everyone's different, so don't be ashamed of that. You do the whole dancing cardio. I love dancing. <laughs> uh, see, stuff. for me, my biggest thing is I have to pretend that I'm not working out. Because, like, I don't want to work out if I have to work out. Ugh, gross, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like I don't like getting dirty, and so why am I in the fire service? I don't know. But... <laughs> I don't like to work out. I don't like to be sweaty, whatever. So I have to make myself forget that I'm working out. So how do I do that? I dance to fun songs. Yep. I still work out. I mean, I do a lot. I mean, it's that stuff I do is intense at times. Just saying, you've seen the videos, yeah. Chris. You know how intense they can be. <laughs> I try to, like, what, maybe for like a month with you? Yeah, you. Like once or twice a week? You couldn't do it. <laughs> I, I just, I couldn't do it. It wasn't. Well, first of all, I can't dance to begin with, and second of all, I felt like a complete goofball doing it, so I just, <laughs> I couldn't do it, I couldn't do it. Um, but you do that. Yeah. I run, currently. Yeah. I'm starting to get into, uh, not so much the weights, but kind of that realm of things, like doing air squats and and uh, lunges and stuff, like just kind of general push-up, sit-ups, that kind of deal. But when I started out running, I couldn't run for... Uh, let's see here. Five minutes? Yeah. Maybe? I was going to say five minutes. When I started running, and basically I I was self-conscious about it, so I actually went out to the track after everyone else had already been out there and gone. So I was out there by myself and ran, mm -hmm. and that helped out a lot. And as I got better at it, um, now, you know, what, that was eight months ago? Mm -hmm. Now I can run two miles. I still don't go run out on the street because I... You, you can know, do two and a half miles now. Yeah, I can do two and a half miles. That's right. But I don't... I still don't go out and run on the street and stuff. I do every once in a while. But for the most part, I go to the track or someplace where there's not a whole lot of people because I'm still kind of self-conscious about it. Mm -hmm. And that's all right. But I'm still getting out there. I'm exercising. I'm getting that mental benefit from it, which for me is... Oh, I'm looking for the physical benefit of it, too. But for me, it's a lot of it's mental. You know, it's like I had a hard day at work. And I'll tell you that sometimes when I come up for work, I just got to go for a run. And I hate <laughs> running, so that says a lot. But, um, yeah, and, like, when you do refit, you know, you close all the curtains, all the windows and stuff. Like oh, yeah, that, no one's allowed like, to see me. <laughs> you know, and that's fine. That's all right. I mean, if you go to, like, a public gym and stuff like that, you can only do so much. But um, don't feel bad if you're self-conscious about it but the better you get out of that'll kind of fade and you'll feel better you know because yeah. I can I can go to a gym now and run on a treadmill and it doesn't feel weird or awkward for me anymore you know it does sometimes when there's two girls and then they're just looking at you and you're like what yeah that's a little creepy <laughs> hey ladies <laughs> no, hey. I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. okay <laughs> but um yeah I don't know I just that's been a big kick since since I've kind of got going on that. It's like, I can't believe the mental, how it helps you mentally when you exercise. It's just awesome. So, and then talking to Shane the other day, um, how old did he say he was? He's not over 50 yet. He's not over 50 yet. Um, but he's in his upper 40s. Mm -hmm. And he does the, the firefighter combat challenge, which is absolutely nuts. And it's one of those, like, inspiring things, like, I kind of want to do it, but holy crap. <laughs> the training and the exercise you go through, but I can't imagine, like, I understand why he's in such a good mood all the time, though. Yeah. <laughs> he's always training and always exercising. And just, 
Anyway, I'm sorry, guys. Um, the main well, point of that. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, yeah. Okay. The main point of that is exercise. Um, because you are a firefighter and you need to stay in shape to do your job, um, the physical benefits of it, um, lowering your heart rate, lowering your blood pressure, just exercise in general, that good physical side of it. And then third, the mental side of it is amazing. So if you're having a rough time at work, personal life, whatever, try exercising because it'll, it changes the way your brain thinks. It's a huge benefit. You should try it. So I'm going to take this a step farther. And I may cut this loud later. I don't really know. So this came up in one of the clubhouse rooms, obviously, you know. <laughs> and we were talking about, you know, going through either difficult times or having to be honest with yourself or trying to either think of positive things or whatever. And... Honestly, we started talking about something I never thought we'd talk about in Clubhouse Room, which is spirituality, right? Yeah. Not religion. I think there's a difference between the two, right? But we started talking about that, and I pointed out that one of my favorite things to do to get to the heart of my problems and to be the best time that I talk to God, because I am a believer, and... um. I don't know. It was, it was interesting, interesting to talk about in this clubhouse room with other firefighters and things because it doesn't get talked about a lot. And I understand why it doesn't get talked about. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it here too. One of my favorite times to go through those things that are hard for me is after I exercise. I can lay there on the floor <laughs> after I get done with a really hard something or whatever it is. And... If you don't believe in anything, that's fine. I don't, it doesn't really matter, right? But you're able to just lay there and you're so exhausted from what you just got done doing that you can't argue with yourself anymore. You can't make things into a bigger or less deal than what it is. You have to be very honest with yourself at this point because you've lost all of your mental and physical concentration because you just exercised. <laughs> Yeah. You wore it all out. <laughs> so it's the best time to, to lay down or sit down or whatever and talk to God or whatever it is, right? And figure things out, right? Mm -hmm. And just be purely honest. And I just, I don't know, I thought that'd be fun to put it in there. That that's my favorite time to do that. Well, I, and I know we'll get into it later. We have an idea for another episode, but this kind of ties into that is... Um, yeah, you and I, you know, we're, we're, we're Christian, we're both believers, and yeah, after you exercise, that's, that's your time to kind of quiet down and talk to him, because you're so mentally exhausted, you're physically exhausted, yeah, you have to be honest with yourself, you yes. know, and you just can't fight it anymore, and that, for me, that's, you know, is I kind of do the same thing after I get done running. I'm exhausted, but I'm happy, and I'm, I feel good, and it's just a good time to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, just kind of talk to God. But I think that's also, I'm guessing for you too, but for me, like, that's also what helps mentally deal with everything that's going on too. Yes. You know, not only, not only do you have the, endorphins from exercising but then you kind of have that that quiet peace serenity feeling over you you know for us like when we talk to god mm. and it helps you deal with problems in life whether big small whatever they are it just kind of helps take that away and alleviate that yes and it is a great time to do it i agree i fully agree with you so yeah sometimes i'll lay there and i'll like Talk about things that have been frustrating me so much because I finally, like, got my physical self, like, already drained, right? So it's time to completely drain my mental side officially. And, like, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I ball because, like, just the stress of things. But then it's it just all goes away. And just it's in one moment that literally my entire body and brain is just, like, sludge. And it feels the best <laughs> <laughs> because of that, so... Just a nice peace and calming about it. For so. about five minutes. But, yeah. you know. <laughs> Absolutely. I, and I think it's important. I really do. So It's a nice reset before the next day starts. Yes. And I'll give you guys a little spoiler. That 
episode that I kind of mentioned is Faith, Family, and Fire is kind of what we're going on in that episode. And I don't know when it'll come out. We're still kind of hashing it out, and at least I am. I think <laughs> you're ready to do it, but I want to I wanna make sure it's a good episode for you guys. So we'll see when we get that one out, but we'll get into that a little more. So yeah. Anyway, we've gone down uh, at least a few rabbit holes, and I hope you guys have had fun listening to us. Yeah, thank you for coming to our, I'm going to say our own little kitchen table podcast yeah. episode. Because we legitimately, right before we started this, we actually had supper, and like we're sitting at a table, and we're, I'm having a drink, you're having a monster, so it's kind of, it's your version of a drink. Yeah, that's right. right. <laughs> <laughs> I got my Bud Light Lime, and we're just sitting here talking, and it's... It's really nice. And it's, yeah, it's it's our version of a kitchen table where we just go from subject to subject. Yeah, just kind of talk about whatever. So, And I don't think we beat anything with the dead horse tonight. No. We might have, but I don't feel like we did. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, we hope you guys have a good night, a good day, whatever time you're listening to this, of course. And we'll catch you on the next episode. That part's supposed to be mine. We'll catch oh, you on the next episode. Sorry. Because, like, otherwise, I don't have a sign-off. Oh, okay. Well, thank you guys for joining us. We hope you, you got said something your part. out of this. So I hope you have a good day <laughs> or a good night or whatever time you're listening to this. You can't let me say it. <laughs> you're like, duh. It's your turn. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Good night, you schmucks. See ya. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to leave us a rating and review wherever you're listening to us. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Couplings Fire Podcast. See you next time.